You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to First Bite, our Pride of Detroit uh, midweek podcast where we talk to very special guests. And boy, do we have a good show for you today. Before we get into it, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the manager or the editor in chief at Pride of Detroit and the co host of First Bite. With me is Ryan Matthews, senior editor of Pride of Detroit. How are we doing, Ryan? I'm excited for this one, Jeremy. Oh, we got a good one in store. No doubt about it. Let's get into it. We've got two. Lions legends with us to talk about all sorts of things, their careers, what's going on with the Lions today. One is a four-time Pro Bowl receiver, a three-time All-Pro, and a member of the Lions Ring of Honor. The other is a seven-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, three-time All-Pro, and the color commentator of Detroit Lions Radio. Herman Moore and Lomas Brown are with us today. Fellas, how we doing? Hey, we're good. Yes, we are. We are good today. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's hey, let me tell you this before we even get started. You know, I to, hey, Lomas, you know I've been waiting to get on here to be able to say something. Hey, I put money on your book, so make sure you check with the guards outside because I know you're in jail right now. It looks like you're sitting in prison. <laughs> so I put money on your books. Hey, I, buy, I got money on your books, man. So, you know, you ain't got to worry about those cigarettes and the chewing gum. You got to get hey, man, I got money on your books, man. You I need money in my commissary. I need you to hook up my commissary. Hey, I got you hooked Thank up, you. man. You can get your little, your little <laughs> cup and all that other stuff, man. So you're good. <laughs> well, this is the kind of awesome repertoire you can, you can hear on their new YouTube channel, Breaking Bread with Herman and Lomas. Before, before we even get into any of that, Herman, how did you manage to get your name first in that title? Uh, you know what? I snuck it in there because, you know, I should let, you know, age before beauty go first. But I decided, you know, I don't know, man. We just, you know, H comes before L. So. Jeremy, you know, he's a diva. We already know how those receivers yep. are. So we already know that. All right. So, yes. Yeah. Hey, talking we'll about the age hey, before Lomas, don't worry about it, man. Hey, Lomas, yeah. we'll, we'll switch it up for you. Uh, next time around. So starting in 2022, we'll go lower. <laughs> all right. Yeah, all right. I, I got a quick question for you guys, just about like what you're doing over there on YouTube. How did the breaking bread thing come come about? Like, was it something that had been in the works for a little while or what, were you guys like staying in touch with one another and decided to do something or how'd that come about? Well, we kind of, um, you know, that's kind of saying that we have, cause you know, I'm a big fella. 
You know, he's a wannabe big fella. So, you know, we like big fellas like to break bread. You know, we like to eat. I like to do the physical part of it too, Ryan. I like to have the fork and the spoon and I like to be going at it. You Just know, physical. Herman, I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Herman put a little twist on it to where maybe, maybe we could sit there and we could, you know, talk to people and do some other things while we're supposed to have a plate of food in front of me, you know, at all times. Anytime we do a breaking bread segment, the big fella wants to eat. I want to consume while I'm talking. But, you know, when I deal with Herman, you know what I'm saying? We have to talk and, you know, we can't we got to look good while we're talking. So, you know, it just kind of evolved from there. Hey, don't let Lomas fool you. He does not eat with a knife and fork, and he doesn't eat with spoons. He eat with his hands. And I don't want him sitting in there doing all this right here and then wiping it on his shirt with his collar. You know, you don't want all that. You know, Lomas, come on, man. That's, hey, that white shirt wouldn't have a chance. <laughs> I like it. Well, today today was the start of Lions training camp uh, as they, they got underway this morning, Wednesday morning. Um I don't want to talk too much about what happened on Wednesday morning. I know you were there, Lomas. Herman will get you out there sometime soon, hopefully. Uh, but I want to talk more about your guys' um, training camp experience because I think for a lot of fans, it's really fun and it's really exciting. For a lot of players, though, it's kind of a pain in the ass, right? <laughs> It's more than that, Jeremy, man. <laughs> that that like you you know how you got that nervous feeling, your stomach is bubbling up, man, and you know you're going out there and look, back when me and Hearn was there, we're talking six weeks of training camp. We're talking two a days, you know, twice a day. You know, we that was the real definition of two a days. You were hitting both practices. You know, you had on full gear. You were going at it, you know. So it's a totally, totally different scenario from what these guys are going to get. They might be at Island Park for, what, maybe 14 days. You know, they get a, they hit one day and they get like two days off from hitting. So <laughs> it's a totally different animal from when we were uh, out there on the field. So that's why I think more of us guys dread at training camp more than these guys do today. I, you know, Lomas, you're leaving out. They're probably getting pedicures, man. They're getting their their, <laughs> their, their haircuts. You know, they got barbershops. They got all kind of stuff ready. That they don't. They don't. It's none of that. It's not getting tied up to the the goalposts. It's not taking your clothes right. and thrown yeah. out on I-75, and you got to figure out where the clothes that you wore there. That stuff doesn't exist anymore. It's just coming in. It's club med, man. This is a. Yeah. It, 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 it was like I would have rather gone to prison. For a little bit, just for a little bit, but they just didn't pay as well. You know, you, you work for pennies, man, when you're in prison, but the Lions, at least they paid me, you know, a little bit of money. I was able to go get me a Happy Meal. But I'll say this, listen, with with what you have now compared to what was there, you have players come in now, the expectation is you want to try and get healthy and you want to keep players healthy. Yep. The other thing you want to do is try and minimize the contact. We've heard about the concussion protocols. We heard about uh, how they're dealing with all these injuries and these these mental issues that players are having post-career and also what they're, they're sustaining during career. So they're trying to really minimize that. Even if you look at what they did with the preseason by removing a game. It, so all these things are in place. They're shortening all those things because they want to see healthy players uh, both physically and mentally during the course of the regular season. Yeah. Plus, Aaron, don't forget now, they, I heard that they'll have 16 padded practices for the whole entire year. 
Man, we used to have the, for the what, whole year, the whole yeah. year, 16 padded practices. Man, we would have that in what, like the first week or two, we would have two weeks times. Yeah, yeah, man. So it's totally, it's totally different now. Yeah, it's it's certainly a different beast than it was back then. Um, and you know what, Jeremy talked at the top about wanting to get your guys' perspective of of your times in training camp. And I think you know what what's interesting is during both your times there was changeover in coaching staff. Uh, Lowe, when, when you were there, went from Daryl Rogers to Wayne Fonts. Uh, Herman, when you were there, Wayne Fonts to Bobby Ross. Can, can each of you maybe talk about your experience undergoing that change from one coaching staff to another in training camp and, and what kind of learning curve there may have been for you guys as a player? Well, to be honest with you, for me, it was a breath of fresh air. To be completely honest, when Wayne took over for Daryl Rogers, it was just like, because I came in, they hired Daryl Rogers the same year that they drafted me. So, you know, I'm young. I didn't know any better. I thought that was sure. how the NFL was under Daryl Rogers. And once Wayne took over, you could just see it was just totally, completely different. And it, Wayne made it fun. He made the atmosphere light. You know, he was more of that player's coach where Daryl Rogers was a little bit more standoffish, you know, and he didn't really mix with the guys like that. So once Wayne took over, it, it was just a totally different uh, atmosphere, just even around when you talk about front office people, when you're talking about being around the players, you're talking about being around some of the coaches he brought in. It was just totally different on the Wayne. And you, I, I appreciated it. I really did because, like I say, Wayne helped take our team to, you know, to certain heights that the Lions <clears throat> haven't been to in a long time. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was great being on the Wayne. And, and, and Herm got a little Wayne. He, he got them so oh, yeah. so he knew how it was. Yeah, definitely got a little bit of that. And just to kind of echo some of that, you know, when you transition from one coach to another, thankfully it doesn't occur a lot during training camp. It, it, it'll occur during the uh, off season, but it's when it happens during season, I think that's where you feel the pain and you feel the struggle. But sometimes it's warranted, and it can either break the spirit of the team or it can renew the, the, the spirit of the team, depending on where they are and where they're focused and what their allegiance is to that coach. I will say this it's the change of the, the tempo is a change of the philosophy of the coach that makes it difficult when it's time to go out and, and try and make that shift. You got some that want to play at fast pace. I remember I came in, it was run and shoot. Then you go to Bobby Ross and it was more that he want, he wants to just pound the ball into the end zone. He wants to have a, a running game and an attack and all these other things. And it's totally different. So when you, you're going through those type of transitional swings and then offensively and defensively, where you got more zone versus man coverage, you start having a shakeup in personnel as well because players don't fit any longer. So now right. you start to mess with the whole chemistry of the team, the mindset of the team. Uh, that was the toughest part that I saw going from a guy like uh, Wayne Fonts to a Bobby Ross, then ultimately from Bobby Ross to a Coach Moeller, Gary Moeller for a brief stint, and that was fun. And then all of a sudden you bring in Marty Morningway, and then it was all offensive heavy and all that. I mean, so we've had this roller coaster of, of a ride when you start talking about different fields and takes and mentality. So we'll, we'll see how this one stables out with Campbell. Hey, Jeremy, that was a lot of coaches he just named off. Them and his hey, you, you, hey, you don't have time man. for my quarterbacks. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk a, a little bit about that, that transition to Wayne Fonts, because I feel like it's something that the Lions are potentially going through now. Like the word out of camp today was fun. You yes. know, several players said, mentioned like, 
It's a much more fun atmosphere. How important is fun to bring to training camp because it can be such a grueling time for the players? Does it? Can you make? Can you actually make training camp fun? Does bringing that light attitude? You know, actually, yeah, uh, yeah, with their camp, you could, you know, what they got jello, they got <laughs> pizza parties, they got foot rubs, you know, they got a little, they got a little green in the back where they can do some practice, their short game and go. <laughs> Man, I mean, what, what is there not to enjoy? Hey, that's like getting away from home. You got kids, you got people at the house, right. you got workers, you got people, you know, the landscaping and, and chores. Why would I not want to go if I'm now in the NFL want to go to practice? I'm like begging you to ask me if you're missing OTAs or if you're missing practice, there's something already mentally wrong with you. Think about that. But I'll say this. Listen, when you you, you look at how it goes now, I just think that it's too easy, too easy, low. Yeah, yeah. It is. And, and to be honest with you and on the serious point, you know, I – I don't know how those guys are prepared for game day because like I say, you know, you have to condition your body to hit, to receive hits, you know, you, and you want the the level to be at a certain, you know, at a certain level so you can be ready for game tempo. And I, I almost kind of feel sorry for those guys, because if you think about it, the first speed, full speed work that a lot of them get is game day. You know, yeah. that's when the intensity cracks up. That's when it's guys that can hit you freely, oh, no. hit you and everything, because oh. everything is so temp tempo. But you got to be there. careful, man. You got to lift weights, man. You know how hard it is to get, you know, those jerseys are taped up. You know, you got to take that jersey off to give it to another player, man. You can mess up a shoulder blade or something, man. You can oh, you can mess up your shoulder doing that, huh? Yeah. You know, you got to swap stuff out. You know, that, that stuff get to be, you know, that's pretty intense. So, you know, they practice that a little bit. You know, you know, shirts on, shirts off. That's warm up, man. Well, obviously, there's a lot of limitations in the NFL rules these days about how much they can practice. Yeah. But do you think, do you think, it's possible to find that balance of, of being like a, a fun, personable coaching staff, but also making sure that they are putting in the work so that they're at least somewhat prepared in week for week one. I do. I mean, I, I do. I, I, I just remember back when every time the media would start getting on Wayne, talking about fire Wayne or, you know, he, they got him in the bullseye and they're trying to get rid of Wayne. I know we used to have team meetings and her remember that, man, we'd be in those team meetings, team only meetings. We'd be like, look, we got it good here with Wayne, man. We need to start kicking some butt, winning some games so we don't get any other coach in here because Wayne, he, he took care of us and he had that balance, Jeremy. He, he knew when to push us, but he knew when to pull off. And, you know, Wayne, like I say, Wayne could kick you in the butt when he had to, but he, he could also come up and put his arm around you when, you when he needed to. So he knew that balance. So when you got a coach like that, you want to keep him there. So that's why we used to always fight. If you always remember, man, we'll be struggling early in the season. Then all of a sudden we'll rip off like four or five games in a row to get ourselves in position to get a playoff berth. So we had the good with Wayne and guys knew that too. You know, one thing I'll throw in on that, you know, when you guys talk about players coach, we hear people throw that term around a lot. And a lot of, I think people think that means easy. No, what it means is mm -hmm. you have a line and a channel of communication with your coach. You have a rapport. You have an ability to be able to talk with them at a level man to man without someone's feelings getting hurt or someone putting their feelings in the mix. When it becomes, you start talking about, here's a coach that likes to, to, he rules with an iron fist, or this is a coach that's more, you know, regimented and he's a military type guy and all this. 
you almost feel like you're taking orders or you feel like there's a there's this chain of command. But no, you're collectively trying to get things done together. I think that's what you see right now. And these players are talking about they're having fun now. They're talking about the fact that here with Coach Campbell and his unit, there are people that can identify with them as players and it allows them to have this communication channel that is going to allow them when there is turbulence and there is turmoil. How do we resolve this without us, you know, getting our feelings in a way versus understanding the objective is to win football games, to be the best team that takes to the field and be the best collective unit that goes out and tries to win games. That's what that means when you say players coach. Yeah. And, and speaking of coaching personalities and habits and traits, you know, Dan Campbell today, he made mention of the four things that he expects from his yes. players. He said, don't be late. Keep your weight in check. Don't disrespect your teammates and don't disrespect the game. So, so my question from that is like, as a head coach, I feel like you can only do so much to monitor all of that stuff. So when you guys were players, uh, uh, you know, being leaders of the you know receiver room or the offensive line, like, did you feel compelled as leaders to stay on your teammates about stuff like that? And how are you able to kind of tow that line? You know, Herman mentions you have those regimented, those military type coaches and, and the players coach. How did you kind of tow that line as a player with uh, with your fellow teammates? Well, first of all, I love, like he said, don't disrespect the game. Cause, because I think too many players don't realize it's a privilege to be in the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, you know, Major League Bay. It's a privilege to be there. Think about it. It's only 1,800 guys that are on NFL teams, 1,800 out of all the guys in the world. That's it. So you guys need to look at it as a privilege. That's how you need to look at it. And, when I, you know, I hate to see when guys have talent or guys don't take the game serious because it's their opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to not only establish yourself and to set yourself up financially, but it's also for you to do it for generations, do it for your kids and everything. And I just think, you know, to me, out of his four rules, that's the one that resonated with me the most was don't don't disrespect the game. You know, this game been around 100 plus years. It's going to be around far after we're gone out this game. But you have to think about the guys that helped make this game, the guys that came before you, the guys that wore that uniform before you did. And like every time and, and just think about it. Like you guys introduced us, right? Lomas Brown, ex-Detroit Lion. Herman Moore, ex-Detroit Lion. We're going to always be known as ex-Lions or ex-professional players. So to me, man, just take pride in that. And like I say, it wasn't hard to toe that line. If you were serious about what you're doing, if you're serious about your craft, then you should be able to take criticism, especially from a teammate, a guy that's lining up next to you, that's going out there fighting those wars with you. So I didn't see that as being hard, to, like you say, to have to toe that line with the coaches. Whatever coaches brought then you know that's the job of the leaders to be able to translate and communicate with the guys that are around you yeah i mean oh, you yeah. like that Herm. you yeah, like you know, did, I, did I, like I have him speechless, he was yeah, speechless. You know, not so much speech you know what it was speechless yeah. but here's here's where i get caught up so i'm looking back at this <laughs> and i start thinking about where i was when i was 22 years old 23 years old playing in the nfl and then as I matured and then I started to get to the latter part of my career, the leadership part of my career, and then after and post my career to start looking at what is my mindset now and what would I have done then that's different? How do I interpret what I interpret now, even being more mature 
what I had then when I was necessarily immature, but I just wasn't as experienced. And what I see is I misunderstood, in my opinion, what leadership was. Leadership is going in one voice for the team to then go back and make sure that that's carried on. And it ho they hold us accountable to our work collectively in terms of what we're going to do and how we're going to interact with the coaches and likewise. So leadership to me means it doesn't mean necessarily they're going to necessarily take the, the total responsibility for me and my actions, or I can't take responsibility for you and your actions. I can hold you accountable in the fact that you should have uh, a feeling of, of loyalty to, to not just the game, but to us, to the work that we put in, the preparation we put in. And then if we do that, then the leaders, they're going to be our one resounding voice collectively that they're taking and saying, this is what we stand for. They're going to then put that out there. So when we, we anoint our leaders, they have to be good communicators. They have to be good. They have to be people who can stay neutral and, and remove their emotions and their feelings away from uh, uh, being, you know, I'm, I'm going to be on this side of it, offensive side or defensive side. No, you got to be on the team side. Yeah. And, and now when I see it, when the person that stands up has got to have a voice that commands like that. And then when you play, you have to play and epitomize that. You have to also go out and say, you know what? This is who we are. Even if you're looking at no matter what player you look at, from the kicker to the punter to special teams guy that's going down and blowing up the wedge to, to your lineman, to whomever, are they playing and embodying what we stand for? That's when you know you got leaders on the team. When you see a whole lot of mixture of people and emotions and feelings and this person saying this over here and the guy's over there and the coach is over here talking about the players and it's all crazy. And we've seen it, right? Everybody here has seen it. Yep. You're lacking leadership on all levels, period. There's no cohesiveness. And, and that's what I have trained myself to see as a, even as a business owner. And when I look at my team, I have a purpose. It doesn't matter who owns it. It doesn't matter who leads from the top, but I have a purpose and I fit a role within our organization that I am accountable for to you and to our rest of our teams low. And, and so that's what I see it as now. And I go, man, I wish I had the same vision. And if I didn't have it, I wish the coach would have the same vision and passion and, and, and leverage to be able to communicate, not pound his fist, not say, do as I say, it was like, let's do this together. Let's collaborate. Let's figure out what we need to do. We ride together. We die together, period. And mean that. Yeah. But, you know, so when you're saying that, that's what it reminded me of, other than how you were threatening me in the huddle, talking about if I drop another pass, <laughs> how you going to basically what? beat the crap out of me. Hey, that's so, one way to hold people so accountable. You led through, you led through, <laughs> through, through fear. You, you went in there and you tried to lead through fear, Lomas. Don't, don't sit there and try and play a uh, saint. Hey, y'all fans out there, let me tell you <laughs> what this guy did. He would tell me, hey, he, Kevin Glover, they would go over there and say, you know what? This guy is terrible. They would wait till I get in the huddle. They look me right in my face and say, man, you are awful. You're a first round pick. You suck. You know, they would say that to my face. Now, I, I, let me tell you, Lo, I respected that because you were what we call in business. That is transparency. I appreciate that. Brother. I appreciate your transparency, but you didn't have to come out all hard and threaten me like that. So, you, you know, Jeremy, Ryan, you, you know, we set us offensive linemen, <clears throat> we set the bar kind of high. So we expect the rest of those guys to come up to that bar. You know, we said it pretty high, us being the big fellas up front, doing all the work, putting our hand in the dirt, getting dirty, doing all the grimy work. We expect things out of those guys. That hey, hello. Hey, hey, let me tell you something. Just like they said in that, and this is, this is look, you know what? Hey, don't, hey, a white shirt and a smile. I ain't gonna say a big button a smile, a white shirt and a smile. Don't let, don't be fooled by a white shirt and a smile. Hey, that, that, that dude right there, 
Hey, here's a LB, the football player, Lomas Brown, seven-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, future Hall of Famer. No, no, don't don't let him fool you. He he he, 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 he was he. That's why he's sitting there looking like he in there incarcerated. Look at him, he's right where he belongs. <laughs> we got to put another coin in the meter, and make sure it's time doesn't run out. Hey, hey, Lomas, don't be calling me collect. <laughs> no. Hey, use that cell up that use that cell phone you just snuck in there. Hey, hey, text me on that that burner you got, that cell phone you got snuck in there. Come on, I know you snuck one of those phones in there. I think we're gonna shift Pride of Detroit to prison of Detroit at this. Hey, hey, Ryan, I love it. That's innovation. See that that's that's innovation and that's disruptive thinking. I love it. Well, uh, speaking of disruptive thinking, I mean Dan since we're talking about coaches here too, let's just talk. I, I want to hear your guys' opinion on Dan Campbell, because I think he tackled a lot of the things that you guys were talking about in terms of, you know, leaving the players to, to be accountable for their own actions. He said specifically, like, I'm not going to have to treat you guys as an adult unless you give me a reason to mm-hmm. like he because yeah, I mean, he, he is going to treat them as adults. And I should say, unless you give me a reason not to. Um, so just straight up, do you guys think this is the leader that this team needs right now? Well, I do. I mean, again, he sat in the same seats we sat in. He sat in those same seats that those guys are sitting in being a former player. You know, he's had success. Um, And I know that Dan has been around a lot of successful coaches, Sean Payton and some of the other coaches that he's been around. So I know he's learned a lot. And like I say, I just I, I just love his demeanor. He wants guys to have fun, but it, like he said, he's putting the responsibility on their shoulders, yeah. and that's what you do. That's what you do because, again, you got a group of men there. You got a group of professional athletes. You're supposed to handle yourself as a professional. You're supposed to do the right things. He probably shouldn't have had to tell those guys to be on time um, because, you know, as a professional, that's one thing that you want to do. But I just love that he's been around some successful coaches, He's learned. He seemed like he's going to apply this to these guys. And they're grown men. Think about it, man. All those guys, most of those guys got families, kids. Those guys are grown men, so they should know how to handle themselves and, like I say, know how to act as professional athletes or as professional people. That's going to say a lot about this team and how they handle it without him having to intervene. Mm -hmm. But a lot will be earned and learned if he has to intervene, how does he handle it? What's yeah. going to be the, the recourse on that? What's going to be the feedback from the players? Are they going to respect it? Or are they going to resist it? If, if they don't resist it, if they can, they can have that communication channel that I talked about, then they can have some success and they can overcome a lot of obstacles. You know, you, that's not going to get them over the talent barrier. You know, right. you, you still got to line up. You still you know. So let's not let's look at some of the tangible and intangible things. And at the end of the day, you still got to go out and play. We could talk about you could be nice to me all day. I could be nice to you. Or it could be just one big, happy family. But we still got to be able to have talent. And, and what I'm looking at is can he elevate not just the mental part of this team and the respect part of this team, but can he get these players uh, lined up along with the coaches and their teaching to elevate these players uh, mentally and physically from where they are to where they're working at a higher level than their opponents? Because this isn't going to be the most gifted and the most talented team uh, that feels, uh, takes on the field, whether home or away. So they're going to have to find these other ways in which – uh, to, to get these victories and get, you know, win some games that they possibly, you know, let's, let's face it. We've looked at the schedule 
Yeah. Uh, I'm optimistic about it, but it's there's tough. nothing that's going to be given to this team. These yeah. are teams that are going to be facing that are looking to try and win their division. These are teams that are looking to try and figure out ways in which they're going to, to move on to potentially uh, postseason play. And the Lions are just in their way. So the Lions got to not be in, they got to be more than just in the other team's way. And Coach Campbell's going to have to figure out a way to make this team uh, say, you know what, we belong here and, and we have what it takes to elevate beyond just the talent that, you know, we brought in. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, I, I want to start taking some questions from our live audience. Uh, a good one here from LJ. He says, besides the player next to you on the screen, who is your favorite player to play for, play with, and why? Oh, okay. So for me, it was Kevin Glover. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, Herm's, Herm told you how we used to just double-team him, you <laughs> know, and, and, and talk bad about him and treat him bad. But he wasn't the only one. You know, he wasn't the only one. You know, we did it to a lot of the other younger guys. But uh, – Kevin Glover, just a consummate pro, man, guy that I came in with together. We came in in 1985 together. We actually played in the Senior Bowl before we got drafted to Detroit together. So we roomed together, man. And he was uh, he was like the quarterback on the offensive line. You know, he was like the guy that pointed out protections, did all the other things that helped guys have success on the line. So, you know, he was like, even though I'm older than him, he was like my big brother to me so that's the guy that I enjoyed playing with for my 11 years while I was there in Detroit you know the guy I would say and it's I know a lot of people are thinking we're excluding Barry and it's not that Barry's the obvious you know choice that everybody wants to say that you know we're teammates the guy you know I would have to go with 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 Brett Perriman and the reason being is I played with a lot of receivers from Johnny Morton to Jermaine Crowell and these are guys that are like my brothers. And Jermaine Crowell went to the same alma mater, University of Virginia. Johnny Morton and I were a tandem after Brett Perriman left. But what Brett Perriman did my rookie year was he challenged the position that I had to make me have to step up and be better. He didn't have any ties to the team. It was Willie Green, Robert Clark, Aubrey Matthews, and all these other players who had their own little clique. But Brett was the guy outside like I was coming in. And for me, I had to look at how he earned his way into the starting lineup. And it wasn't because he was a high draft pick. And he would always say that to me. So I, I respected that about him as a, as a player. I respected the way he went out and he played the game. And because of that, he caused me to never sit and think that just because I was a first round pick that I had it easy. So I, I just, I admired what he did. He did it vocally and people who know Brett, you know, he, yeah. he made sure you understood <laughs> that he was underpaid and unappreciated. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, a guy that I, I would go to take to the field any day of the week with, versus any player, anytime. I mean, that, that begs the question. Have, have you talked to Brett about, about Brashad at all? Uh, spoke. He used to always brag about Brashad. And the thing I remember when Brashad was going to be drafted and before he got picked, 
uh, Brett would always say, you know what, you need to see my son. He says, and he says, my son, I'm telling you, he, he's going to be a bad boy because he's bigger than I am. He, he plays like I play, but he's just bigger and faster. And I was like, you know what, if he's bigger and faster than you and he's better, he's going to be a beast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not uh, as strong as his dad, though. I think Brett was the strongest wide receiver I've ever been around. Hmm. Ever oh, yeah. been around. Yeah. So. Uh, another question here from our friend, our friend Dan Paskey he says, did either of you guys have a pregame ritual? Oh, yeah. I, no, I had mine as far as, well, eating. So it always had to be a bowl <laughs> of oatmeal, bowl of oatmeal, some bacon. You got to have the swine. You got to have some swine. You got to mix it up, you know, and do a little toast. That was my carbs and everything. So that was it. I would now you would have some guys, they'll sit there and eat steak and have spaghetti and all that crap. I, I don't know how them guys got out there and played the game after eating a big old steak and doing some of that. But I always had the bowl of oatmeal, some swine. That's the bacon, thick cut swine too. It's got to be thick cut uh swine and some toast. That was me right there. And then I always, I never went home. A lot of those guys, and I think Herman Moore might have been one of those guys, I, those guys went home. And when you go home, man, you know, you got the wife there in your ears. You got the kids messing with you. You got the dog. And, you know, you got all these distractions. <laughs> so I would leave straight from the hotel and go directly over to the stadium. Now, we might be over there for a whole bunch of hours because we would get there early. But I couldn't, I couldn't deal with all the other distractions. So that was my pre – that was my ritual that I went through for 18 years. Hey, Lom, let me tell you something. It sounded like whatever you just said was busy as hell. It sounded like you were doing a whole lot before your pregame. All I know what I did, listen, I, all I did was come in and go to sleep. That's it. That was my pregame. To go so you to didn't eat. Motown. You didn't eat? Yeah, I ate before I came, man. I just, yeah. I mean, no, pregame. Listen, man, listen. <laughs> I would assume you, 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 you hydrated and you had food before you came to the game. What are you going to do for the next, like, eight hours? Well, right. You know, you, That's like you a given. You got to make you that clear ate. to the audience. Ask you what, what did you eat before you came over? We just said, what was your pregame? You could just well, say, oh, I had some food. All right, well, I when had you tell the people that you ate, you got the, the people probably want to know that, man. Look, man, it ain't just us because I didn't just here. eat regular stuff. I eat Pop-Tart if I wanted. Listen, it doesn't no. matter. <laughs> Listen, all I'm saying is it was we, we I hydrated. I, I, I had um, uh, food. All right, my protein, <laughs> right? Make sure I got the muscles and everything was all nice and solid. A little couple carbs, you know, whether that be the spaghetti or some bread or whatever, right? Okay, cool, we got that way. But I'm saying my ritual, man, was to sit there, be quiet, throwing those big headphones that we had because, you know, we didn't have the little buds and stuff like the Beats by Dre and all the bows. You know, we had the old big one, like, look like you were putting a whole nother thing on your head. And then you lay in your lock, you know, the locker, you got your sweats on and all that. And then you just kick back and I would go to sleep and they say, two minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't see how you and Barry used to do that. I, I was going to say Barry was I'm a big sleeper, right? Yeah, I don't know how they could do and that. And on the sideline. So <laughs> yeah, Barry, he, you were, he's right, man. You would catch Barry if he had the helmet on. Man, Barry would be sitting over there nodding and everything <laughs> during the game. I'm like, what in the in-between series? Fall asleep. You're like, what in the world, man? Hey, man I, mean, I not- sat there one time. I looked that long enough. I started, you know, you start looking at people in your eyes start getting heavy and it's loud it's nine thousand people when they're serving on you just sitting there like this looking at him and all of a sudden he blink one time you blink 
And then you're just like this, <laughs> sitting there. But I don't want the Lion fans to say, you know what? That's what happened because y'all was sleeping through all the, the games. That's right, why y'all lost right. all those games. That wasn't that because Barry would just wake up and that's how bad he was. He would just go in and run for, you know, 50-yard touchdown. So it, it worked. Everybody calmed down. It worked. You know, he ended up in the Hall of Fame. He's good. I, I Maybe I slept more than he did. That's, that's right. why I ended, up, I ended up in the Hall of Fame. You know, I think you both um, did pretty, I didn't, I didn't pretty hit good that snooze yourself. button. <laughs> Man, I don't think there's anything wrong with a little siesta. I mean, come on. There it is. You gotta have that siesta. And then go to the fiesta after that. Yeah. There you go. Uh, uh, I know you guys like to, to handle any topic here. So here here's a hot one. Um, uh, Kuzno asks, I'd like to know how they think Calvin should handle his Hall of Fame speech. I know there's a lot of talk about that. <laughs> and, and whether, you know, he's even going to mention the Detroit Lions. What, what do you guys think? Go ahead, Herm, since you're a receiver. <laughs> oh, Lowe's deferring. I, I, you said, no, I'm, I'm going I'm to get me something in there, okay. but I'm going to let the receiver go first. How kind of well, you? Well, you can always thank people. And then when you get to the ones where you don't want to put you, – you always name specific people that you know were impactful, that made a difference. You're always going to name your parents, your siblings, your, your teachers, your, your coworkers, your teammates – and all that, and you're saying, you know, and all the other people. And that's what it's going to be. You're going to start hearing those vague pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing I said, you know, when you look at the Hall of Fame, you get what you give. It's like if, if you feel that someone has righted you and they've, they've, they've done the things that you feel were warranted because you gave them what they gave you back, then I think it's all in order. If you know you slighted somebody, it's all fair and game. It's like you you got to accept what comes your way. So I'm not saying what he's going to say or what he's not going to say or what he's going to do. I don't know their relationship like that. But I will say this. I think we have to stop being sensitive because if I ever go, it's going to be a great speech. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they should let me into the Hall of Fame just so I can give a speech. Oh, my goodness, man. Well, Lo, you would pay to have my speech. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, you know what? I'm saying, hey, man, I better give me a bib. I'm, I'm gonna start salivating if I could just boy, you just don't know what I want to say. They should hey. give me just a they should give me a temporary Hall of Fame. They can take it back. Just give me that. <laughs> have a mic. Just a platform. Just a platform. Yeah, yeah. That's all. I'm gonna I, thank I the fans wish. though. I will say this. I'm gonna make sure I thank those fans because I'm telling you, right, fans on right, the game. Right. Fans on the game. So don't let nobody fool you. I wish I I wish they they could have made things right. I, I do. I really do. Because, you know, you got one of the all time greats that's going in and, you know, the only uniform he wore was the Honolulu blue and silver. And, you know, I, I just wish the organization and, you know, I don't know all the background about it, but I just wish they could have made things right. You know, however that looked. You know, I just wish things could have been made right because, you know, for if he does go up there and you think about it, it's a, well, I think they get 20 minutes to talk. Just oh, think if he goes minutes? up there oh, and don't say God. anything about the organization. I'm not even going to need 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Give me five and a half. <laughs> and it's not, see, I don't want everybody to think, okay, he says he can't wait to go so he can say something. I'm not going to say anything bad, but it will be very concise. It'd be very much not misunderstood because as an older person, as a man who is 49 plus two, 
I, I have a way of my words. I'm not I'm not worried about you won't be missing my words. Apparently oh, just say only giving him eight minutes huh? these days. So you, you, you he got, couldn't you just say fifty one, Jeremy. He couldn't just say fifty one. <laughs> he had to go forty nine plus two. Mm-hmm. You know. I'll be forty I'll be in my forties the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> Well, fellas, uh, this was an amazing talk. Uh, and, and you can listen to more talks just like this on uh, Lomas and, and Herman's YouTube channel. Again, that's called Breaking Bad with Herman and Lomas. And I'm not just saying that because I was their first guest. I know I'm flexing a little bit here, but I, I got go it. flex, Jeremy. Flex. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so make sure you check them out. Thank you for joining us, Herman Lomas. Thank you for, for joining us here as well. Um, I, I we, we guys, we love you guys. We, I, I've loved you since I've a kid and now I love you on a whole different level uh, for, for the way you guys keep it real and, and, and stay connected to a, a franchise that you gave so much to. Absolutely. Appreciate that, Ryan, Jeremy. You know what? Thank you so much for having us. And we, we encourage everybody to go out, check us out on Breaking Bread. And uh, you know what? We, we enjoy what we do. We enjoy the, the things that you guys all bring to the, to the, to the game as well. And uh, we're just happy to join you and, and break bread with you. So thank yeah, you. There you go. And, and you guys are available on a whole bunch of platforms on, on Instagram and, and Twitter. What, what are the, uh, do you remember the, the, the tag for those? Come on. It's just break, it's breaking, breaking bread. Uh, H&L. Oh, okay. There you go. go. Good job, huh? And maybe, (laughs) Hey, maybe one day Ryan and Jeremy will break some real bread. You know, I would love that. Hey, well, you know we gotta I'm wait saying? for your visitation days. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> hey, sir, hey, Herm, I think the warden is coming for me right hey, now. Hey, hey, you know, hey, I know right he's now. standing there. Hey, they got you handcuffed at that table. <laughs> uh, thanks right. so much, guys. Thank you so much All for right. joining us. Thank you, everyone who's listening at home. We'll we'll talk to you guys again sometime soon. Until then, it's chaos. Be kind, everybody. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.